This is an AMI podcast. I'm Kelly McDonald. I'm Ramia Amadin, and this is Kelly and Ramia. Live from the Accessible Media Studios, this is Kelly and Rumia. Entertainment, lifestyle, and great conversation. It's AMI's on-air community, and everyone's invited. 4 p.m. Eastern. I'm Ramia Amuthan in Toronto at AMI Studios, and Kelly McDonald joins me from London, Ontario, all the way over there, just a little west of us. And uh, I'm having a great time just preparing for the show, getting back in the vibes again. It's our second day on AMI-TV. And, of course, all of you joining us on AMI-audio, we appreciate everyone being here with us. Kelly, how's it going for you today? Well, it's excellent. Um, I will say, just that's the magic word, getting back into the routine and feeling a bit like a fish out of water. As much as, as we were preparing to go live, to do the, the show here in January, kick everything off and have fun. You know, you still, I think it's like they say in sports, there's nothing like actual game. You can practice, you can do all that, but when it's a, the real movement, the time of a game and the day of the game, your prep, your organization, yeah, the test is game day mm-hmm and with game day we still have uh, lots of you know different things going on that we're getting settled into understanding learning about uh, making into regular practice right so we're, we're doing it but we're doing it together so Kels maybe we can start telling people what's going on on today's edition of Kelly and Rumia certainly here's what's coming up folks Sometimes our animal friends are amazing, impressing us with physical or mental skills that we didn't even know they had. Vet Danielle Johnkind joins us to share some amazing animal stories. Also, Alexis Hilliard from Stump Kitchen joins us to talk about her YouTube channel. Plus, she's going to give us a live demo that we can enjoy during that segment when we talk to her. Karen McGee is with us today to talk about uh, her hobbies of children's books during our collections and hobbies segment. That will be later on in hour two of the program, Ramya. Absolutely, Kels. Now, you and I, we have some things we like to talk about in the first segment of the show to give people an understanding of things going on around the world. And I Mm. like to pick uh, things that I find, you know, spikes my curiosity or just like, oh, I've been anticipating for this to happen. So do you mind telling us the first item that we have planned? No big surprise, ladies and gentlemen, because we, you know, this is something that she is always fascinated about. It's the royals, folks. Prince Harry's new book is on sale worldwide after weeks of hype. James Lawman, he reports outside Buckingham Palace. Prince Harry's memoir, Spare, it is out today. Now, this book was released early by accident in Spain, and so all kinds of excerpts have been making headlines over the last few days, but now finally you can get the book in its totality. I think it's going to be a big seller. There were bookshops here in London that were open at midnight to meet demand. Mm. Wow. Mm. Unbelievable, Ramya. It, it really is pretty amazing. And when you look at the memoir itself, Harry talks about the grief of losing his mother, yes. Princess Diana, of course. And he also recounts disputes with his brother, Prince William, and accuses members of the royal family of, you know, 
leaking stories yes. to the press, folks. Now, it's it's not timely because, of course, this has been highly anticipated, uh, I'd say all of 2022, since we started hearing about Spare, about Prince Harry, and everything that he wants to share with the public. But I think that every time we hear about it, Kels, we hear a little bit more of that juice, right? So, mm -hmm. you know, yep. first we started hearing about the alleged uh, physical violence that Prince William was uh, putting on Prince Harry, and then now we're talking about Prince Harry's mother. Of course, we don't even know what else is in there, but the ghost writing, does anybody catch mm. that? The ghost written memoir, did we know anything about it being uh, labeled this way before it came out? I don't know, I, this is the first time I'm hearing about it, but you know, Royals uh, fan or not, I really enjoy reading memoirs, so I am curious about this, and this is of course following the Netflix special on Harry and Meghan, and that was uh, followed after the Oprah Winfrey interview with Meghan and Harry, so, there's a lot going on for people who want to learn more, but I'd say a lot going on for the royals overall. Yeah, for sure. And it kind of makes us get centered on, folks, they're average people with average problems. Well, okay, they're royals, so they're way above average because we'll make anything out of anything going on. Ramya, you also wanted to point out about the return of something pretty interesting, too. A major Hollywood award show returns tonight following quite a bit of controversy. After being in the penalty box for over a year over allegations of shady financial dealings and a lack of diversity among members, the Golden Globes back on TV tonight. Just tell me what I've done to you. On the film side, Colin Farrell's quirky dramedy, The Banshees of Inishirin, up for the most awards, eight, followed by the mind-bending multiverse thriller Everything Everywhere All at Once with six. Welcome back! Dorks. ABC's Abbott Elementary is the most nominated TV show. And be on the lookout for soggy stars. It might be a rainy but tented red carpet. The Golden Globes air tonight on NBC. Jason Athenson, ABC News. Now the, the only one, thanks Jason, the only one that I am even uh, really remotely aware of here in this list is Abbott Elementary. And that's because my brother says that I would love the show. I need to watch it. Uh, I'm going down the list of things that he has recommended me that I can't not watch. Uh, but anything else, Kelly, that's you recollect from this one? Not really. Mm. I mean, nothing, I mean, I'm like you about Abbott. I've heard tremendous piece of work. I don't know where I heard that from. We may have all been a, in a group conversation about it. Um, you, you know, it's, it's a darn sports guys. It's too busy watching sports and letting the world that's go right. by, you know, miss out on all these great shows. Yeah, no, of course. I mean, I'm curious about how much impact, like when we say five years from now, what is something like the Golden Globes even going to feel like for us? Is it even going to make that impact that way it did 10 years ago, 20 years ago? Mm -hmm. All right, well, we'll keep posted on that, but also taking a two-minute break, and then we'll keep posted on some amazing animals out there. Dr. Danielle Jeankind, our veterinarian, joins us every Tuesday for Ask a Vet. This is Kelly and Ramya. Don't miss a minute. Kelly and Ramya will be right back. nice to have a co-host that you can lean on a co-host as amazing as kelly mcdonald who's just absolutely there to pick up the pieces you know to hand me the virtual cup when i need a drink of water so kels it's so nice to have you around thank you for the 
support day in and day out. Tough segment one, was it? <laughs> <laughs> Not with you. Not with you around, my friend. <laughs> uh, don't you love uh, technology? She's just oh, our best yeah. friend. Yes. Oh, my gosh. I know. I know. We've been saying yeah. it all day and forever that technology is great when it works, but it really is a test <laughs> on uh, the tech and the co-host. So thank you. <laughs> it's called being ready at all times, broadcast radio students. Just note that. Be, mm -hmm. be ready at all times and don't cuss in front of your microphones. Uh, today, folks, every Tuesday at this time, we speak with our veterinarian, Danielle Johnkine. So let's bring her on in. Whether they provide us with companionship and income, food, or serve a critical role in the ecosystems that support us, animals are vital to human health. Have fun with us as we learn about animal-related topics and about the amazing bond we share with our animal friends. So we welcome Danielle. Happy New Year. And of course, to begin the year, what an interesting discussion today she's unfolding for us. Sometimes our animal friends are pretty amazing, impressing us with physical or mental skills that we didn't even know they had. Sometimes they're funny, giving us a good laugh when we need one, right? I certainly know Ramya's uh, puppy pal out there gives us a lot as he co-hosts sometimes. Sometimes they're involved in those stories that really touch our heart, inspiring us to be better than we are, or galvanizing us into action to right a wrong. Now our veterinarian, Dr. Danielle Johnkind, keeps an eye out for these kinds of stories and is going to take us through some of her favorites today. So Danielle, of course, you know my favorite one. Uh, uh, let's talk about rats that have some really interesting jobs out there. <laughs> well, I, ha I had to put this one in there for you, Kelly, because I know how much you love rats. Oh. But um, there are, unfortunately, a lot of areas in the world where war has left landmines and unexploded weapons buried in the ground. And, you know... Thousands and thousands of people in the world are either injured, maimed, or killed by these devices every year. And these people aren't just soldiers either. Um, many civilians, including children and humanitarian aid workers, are killed as well. Um, and finding and removing these mines is difficult. It's dangerous. It's expensive, um, which means that a lot of them get left in the ground. Um, so... You know, enter a charity named Apopo, who trains rats to sniff out explosives. Now, why rats, you might ask? Well, rats are smart, of course. They're easily trainable with food rewards. And they're too light to trigger landmines when they step on them. So they can search an area the size of a tennis court in 20 minutes if they're trained properly. And that, wow. that same feat would take a human with a metal detector hours to do. So... Uh, one particular African giant pouched rat named Megawa was trained by Apopo and worked in Cambodia. And in his five-year working career, Megawa successfully discovered 71 landmines and many more unexploded devices. When he was four years into his working career, he actually received a gold medal from the UK-based organization called PDSA for his work. And he's the only rat to ever receive one. And the Apopo website said that by the time Megua received his medal, um, he had cleared the equivalent of 20 football, possibly what we would call soccer, fields of land of explosive devices. 
and I wow. was totally, pardon the pun, blown away. That's like, wow. <laughs> <laughs> well, I must admit, in defending my least favorite probably animal to talk about, the rats, I must say that one only assigned one of these uh, recognition, awards of a recognition, that, that seems very discriminatory to me. But especially that animal <laughs> that we know at least is so smart and in this case doing an amazing job. Really cool. Mm -hmm. Yes, yes, very much so. And the second story I have for you guys today was actually one that um, that CBC aired. Um, and, uh, you know, I think people can learn a lot about acceptance from this particular story. So there's a not-for-profit marine mammal research group from Tadoussac in Quebec, and they're dedicated to studying and conserving whales in the St. Lawrence River. And they happen to be filming drone footage of beluga whales when they made an amazing discovery and they found a narwhal. Now, narwhals are occasionally observed in the St. Lawrence, but are usually found over a thousand kilometers north of there in waters in the Arctic. And what was amazing about this narwhal was not just where it was found, but who it was found with, and that it was swimming along with a pod of beluga whales. Um, the researchers were able to determine that the narwhal was an adolescent male who was apparently just hanging out with a pod of adolescent male belugas. And he was filmed with them for three years in a row, indicating this wasn't just a random or a temporary event. Um, not much, of course, is known about how the two species interact with each other, but the drone footage suggests that the narwhal was behaving as if he was just part of the group. Wow. And, you know, belug belugas will communicate with each other with clicks and whistles like narwhals do, but we don't really even know if they speak the same quote-unquote language or if they can even understand each other's communications. But, you know, I'd, I'd hazard a guess it must be possible for them to learn to communicate with each other if a pot of belugas would just kind of adopt this narwhal as one of their own. I thought wow. that was a really cool story. Yeah. I wonder if he got caught up in the pod somewhere else before it got to the Gulf. Because you'd think the water alone would be too warm for him. Yeah. Yeah, I, I will confess that marine mammal biology is not my strength. I don't provide veterinary care for marine mammals, but, you know, I uh, I think that, uh, you know, there would be other people in my field with that specialty who, you know, would be able to answer that question, mm -hmm. but that's not me. Well, we talk a lot about unlikely friends, right? And this is cool because it's unlikely friends, but all the way in the water, which we never think about that, really. But... Um... Yes, and you know, and and we have to think, you know, like we're we're not the only, you know, organisms that yeah. form bonds with other species. I mean, wow. you know, it's really it, amazing. It shouldn't be as surprising to us as it is, but I guess it is. Yeah, mm -hmm. but I, I never knew bees could count either. <laughs> and that is very true, you know, because animals are smarter than we think. So believe it or not, but there was a study published in April of 2022 in the journal Frontiers in Ecology and Evolution. And they were able to show that bees can be taught to distinguish odd numbers from even ones. Now, on the surface, this doesn't seem to be all that impressive until you consider that the concept of odd versus even is an abstract concept. So, you know, we, we know very little about the capacity of other members of the animal kingdom to understand abstract concepts, particularly insects. So you might also wonder why anyone might be interested in studying something like this, beyond that it's really super cool that bees can do this. But, you know, discovering how less complex brains can manage tasks like this, you know, can provide insights into evolution 
and you know they may be able to take some of those concepts and help advance technology you know in order to train things like artificial intelligence so mm. you know you would think this study wouldn't be all that important but in some ways it might turn out to be you know really important in its own right you know not to mention that it's just cool that bees are awesome <laughs> it is it is and yeah exactly bees are awesome and um sadly like all the things we have to talk about more recently about bees and becoming endangered and all these other things it's nice to continually talk about how cool they are now, yes yes we, of course, wouldn't be able to have a fulfilling segment about amazing animals if we don't continue <laughs> uh, uh, sparking our curiosities about what else dogs are doing out there. Yes, well, you know, dogs um, are being trained to help to save wildlife, believe it or not. So, you know, we all know that poaching of wildlife, you know, like elephant tusks or no horn and bush, you know, is a huge concern, especially in Africa when it comes to conserving vulnerable species. Um, well, solving the problem of poaching, of course, involves a lot of different strategies. One aspect of it is catching the people who are doing it and getting poached wildlife products destroyed before they can be sold for profit. And one big help in this fight is coming from an unexpected ally, so dogs. Of course, dogs can be trained to sniff out caches of guns, bushmeat and rhino horn hidden in the wilderness in buildings and in vehicles so officials can seize them. They can also be trained to track the humans that put the illegal stuff there in the first place, which can lead to arrests. So an organization called Dogs for Wildlife breeds and trains dogs for these jobs. And they now apparently have 12 dogs out in the field across the southern part of Africa. And the help these dogs are giving the anti-poaching strategies in the place, of course, has reportedly contributed to a major reduction in po poaching, which is really amazing. Amazing. Uh, lots of... I, I was. I knew she'd have something to say about the dog, so I wanted to give her room there to come on in and comment on her best friend, who should start barking at home loud enough to hear at the AMI studio in Toronto uh -huh. anytime now. Anytime. <laughs> uh, Danielle, sure. let's take care of the scary wildlife jobs for cats, maybe? <laughs> sure. So have you ever heard the expression, it's not the size of the dog in the fight, it's the size of the fight in the dog that matters? This is something that I've heard many people say to me. Well, you know, it suggests that attitude is everything, of course, and cats, as we all know, have plenty of that. Um, if you don't live or work with cats and you need proof, you can check out videos online of angry cats putting the run on potentially scary wild animals that approach them. Um, for example, you know, there's a man who lives in British Columbia by the name of Gary, and he went out his door one day in June to find a black bear in his yard. Um, between him and the bear was his cat, Tigger, and he filmed their encounter. And on the video, you can hear him trying to call his angry cat and saying, Tigger, come back, Tigger. <laughs> <laughs> he needn't have worried, though, because Tigger arched his back, poofed out his tail, and began stalking slowly toward the bear, which, you know, was a clear threat display. And unbelievably, considering the size difference between them, the bear decided that caution was definitely in order and <laughs> ran away from the cat. <laughs> It's all in the cat meow, growl, whatever you yeah. call it, that wow. You know, when they get doing that, it sounds like someone tuning up a guitar versus the nice little Well, in all the ways that I've heard how to get bears to get away from you, I never heard put your cat on them, but now we know. <laughs> well, and Sick I wouldn't recommend that because I don't think every cat is going to do that, <laughs> to be true. honest, you know, That's for right. your That's cat true. safety. Yeah. But if yeah. it just happens that your cat, you know, happens to run into it through no fault of yours. <laughs> Instincts, right? Wow. <laughs> That's right. 
And wow. another uh, cat with scary catitude, you know, went even more viral down in Louisiana. <laughs> um, his name is Muggsy, and his people run an alligator boat tour business. And Muggsy has become something of an internet celebrity because he defends his turf from the pesky alligators in the water. And I don't think I've ever seen a video that scared me as much as when I watched Muggsy attack these big alligators who came up on shore and driving them back into the water. Oh, wow. Oh my goodness! That oh, that's that's like amazing. Like herding sheep. Jeez. I guess so. And after all that work, you go and lounge in an octopus's garden. Uh, what about smart octopuses out there? Well, you know, octopuses are amazing animals that live in the sea, but apparently they're also extremely smart too. Um, if you have any doubts about that, you know, you can check out a documentary called My Octopus Teacher on Netflix. And this is an amazing story about a filmmaker who is struggling with some mental health issues who ends up diving in the ocean and develops this relationship with a wild octopus. And I don't want to ruin the surprises in it for you, but suffice it to say that I found it to be just an incredible story, and extremely touching in many ways. I laughed. I was utterly fascinated by this animal, and I even cried at the sad bits. You know, um, another really fun thing for octopus fans is Octolab TV, which rescues octopus from fighting fishing catches, sorry, and gives them a home. Mm. Um, you can send in a request for them to give the octopus residents a puzzle to solve. And as long as it's ethical and won't harm the octopus in any way, they'll run the challenge, film it, and post it for fans to watch. And I think my favorite was the octopus escape room challenge. So. They put a special underwater escape room in their tank, and they had to solve a puzzle of sorts to get out. And they were timed to see how long it took them to escape. Wow. Um, the one labeled very difficult for the difficulty rating took the octopus just over six minutes to get out of it. Oh. Now, I oh, remember trying smart. an escape room yeah. myself once. <laughs> me too. And it, we had an hour to get out, and I had five oh, people my. helping me, and I never made it out. Same. <laughs> well, I'll tell you what, Danielle, we'll give you a whole week to get back here and carry on and uh, with your wonderful segment that we enjoy every week at this time, Danielle John Kine, weekly, right here for Ask a Veterinarian on Kelly and Rumya. Thanks. Unbelievable escape room in six minutes talk about some smart octopus coming up next after a quick two minute break we're talking to saul who's a real estate agent from exp realty he's explaining the necessary steps with purchasing and selling a home we'll be right back on kelly and Ramia. stick around and learn something new kelly and Ramia return with more in a moment If you're joining us on AMI-TV, welcome. Welcome to Kelly and Remya. If you're joining us on AMI-audio live from 2 to 4 p.m. Eastern time, welcome to you too. We appreciate you joining us for the two-hour show where we talk to all kinds of people and find out some fantastic information. Speaking of information, let's talk a little real estate. There are so many events affecting our real estate market. And for me, living in the center of Toronto right now, I think that that is absolutely fair to say with the ups and downs and the, is this right, is that right? And how do we project any of all this? Well, let's talk a little bit about it. Kelly McDonald and myself, Ramia Amuthan, are welcoming in Saul, who is a real estate agent from EXP Realty, to talk a little bit more and find out all the answers to our anticipated questions. Saul, thank you so much for coming on, Kelly and Ramya. Kelly and Ramya, I'm excited to be here. Thank you. We're talking about my favorite topic, which is real estate. 
Amazing. Okay, well, I don't know if it's all of our favorite topics, but we definitely have a lot of questions uh, going into it. So before we get into real estate, can you tell us a little bit more about yourself? Give us some background on your work. Yeah, absolutely. I've been a real estate agent for over 12 years. I, I'm actually licensed in Ontario and British Columbia, so I've sold hundreds of homes in both provinces. Okay. That's amazing. Wow. Because you look at, uh, like, those are two places where there are pockets where um, the price is amazing, the highest in Canada, and other pockets in, 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 in those provinces where I'm sure things are reasonable. But we're hearing so many different things now as it comes to uh, purchasing a home, and we'll get into that. So let's start with the things people should consider, Saul, when they're wanting to purchase a home. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, it's the biggest investment somebody's going to be making. So there, there's yeah. a few considerations that I recommend to buyers that if they're thinking about buying a home. Uh, first thing is the location. You want to make sure that it's in a location where it's going to service you. Like, for example, near transit, near shopping. If you'd like to be in a rural area, so you don't you want to be looking at homes um, in, in more of a rural neighborhood. Um, you also want to look at the condition of the house. Um, do you want to get a house that's a fixer upper or do you want something that's move in ready? Um, the size is also important. Did you want to get a house that's, uh, you know, a three bedroom, a two bedroom? You got to factor in what's your needs. Um, as well as the, with my clients, I look at potential for appreciation um, because mm. in the, maybe you might want to sell or upsize. So you want to factor in like, is this going to be easy to sell if you decide you want to get it out of the house? Um, as well as financing. The financing is the biggest headache right now is uh, trying to pass the stress test and being able to. Uh, absorb all these interest rate hikes and uh, future planning. Do you, do you want to have kids in the house or are you looking to downsize in the future? Do you, do you want to avoid stairs? So these are some considerations. So a good real estate agent would guide you on, on those steps. Yeah, I think everything that you mentioned is very, very important. And I, I think of, you know, my past uh, experiences talking to real estate agents, exactly how you said, and wonder, you know, how many of these people considered all of this on top of or in context with disability, right? Disability awareness, accessibility needs. Um, and when I say, you know, location matters, why may it matter? And in what uh, ways does it really matter in terms of public transportation or uh, being able to, you know, find your house in a residential neighborhood, et cetera? But interesting. So once the person has determined some of these things, like the house um, size and the location options, what are some other things and steps involved with purchasing the actual house? Well, the other step involved is, uh, I mean, you, you need to find a real estate agent. Um, you want to make sure that you you trust an, an agent to help you with your biggest investment. So a lot of people start online by searching for, for the realtor um, or through recommendations. Um, the other step when, when you do end up making an offer on a home is a, is a home inspection. So that, that's one thing that uh, you would not want to miss out on. You want to make sure that you have a condition on your home for a home inspection, especially now that the market slowed down, that you could actually put conditions on your property. So a home inspection is important as well as financing costs. You want to make sure that the home that you purchase will appraise for the amount that you're buying it for because the values have um, changed from the highs in March of 2022 in February now so you don't want to be overpaying for a home mm. so that's why a good real estate agent on your side is really key so before we get to the inspection because i want to follow up on that tell me is there 
when you talk to people about homes or recommend, go look around, see what you're interested, see what you need, see what you want. Is there that list that real estate folks will point to and say, check that out because you will notice that increases the value of a house, i.e. the price of a house, uh, such as is a multi-storied building obviously you're going to say there's more space and everything like that I get that but is there certain things that you would look at that either depreciate a house or at least make the price a little a little less or increase it I know when we say oh it has a swimming pool well obviously you're going to get a little more yeah. too but what are some of the, the key three or four things that you tell people that people get all excited about and you say well hold on a sec you know it's like the the building yeah. you higher you go the more expensive yeah, exactly, Kelly. So I guess what you're referring to, like, is what are the things that you should look at if you're buying a home? Um, as far as in a house itself, I always recommend make sure that it has enough washrooms in the home. Um, you know, usually people like to have an ensuite bathroom in the house. That helps uh, as far as resale value and appreciation. Um, as far as a basement, um, now that the government has introduced the Ontario government to Bill 23, which allows you to um, build a secondary suite. So that's another potential. If you have a basement, you can definitely look at legalizing it. Or even in the backyard, if you have enough space, you can even put a coach home or a lane house uh, in the back. So it provides accessor, uh, it provides uh, additional income. So these are things. Um, the rest you could probably uh, modify, like the flooring, the carpets, renovating the bathrooms. Um, I'm hoping that answers your question there, Kelly. Yeah, yeah. It just one. I just wondered: is it that kind of thing you warn people with, or say, "Hey, here, go and look, and you'll get an idea how much more it's going to cost." Um, what steps are involved in that home inspection, and why is it so important to have it done? Oh, absolutely. Yeah, home inspection. Uh, I mean, you, you find a home inspector, you put a condition in there to get that inspected. Um, it's important to get that done because the inspector will look at the outside of the house first. So they look at the, the roof, the foundation, um, see if the house is uh, not sloping or anything like that. Then they go inside the house and they check uh, things like uh, mold in the attic. That's really important uh, because most homeowners that are selling, they don't really go up in their attic, so they don't really know what's in there. So I've had uh, inspectors go up there and find mold inside the roof sheeting. So that's mm. really important thing to um, want to have an inspector inspect. Um, behind the bathroom tiles, there's always sometimes mold um, that you can find. An inspector finds any moisture behind the walls. Um, they look at the electrical system to make sure that there's nothing uh, funny about it. Um, the plumbing to make sure there's no leaks. Um, the uh, roof I mentioned as well. Um, so yeah, these are the main things that uh, the inspector will will draw up. It'll it'll actually um, highlight all the necessary uh, items that need to be addressed, and it could be also a bargaining tool. So if you did find something in the home inspection that needs to be addressed, um, you can ask the seller to to do it or have, get a reduction in the price. So it is a small fee compared to what you're going to be buying. You're buying a million or you know whatever price you pay, but it's a very small percentage and. Typically, home inspections cost uh, around four to six hundred dollars. You know, so it's not too too expensive. But if you're buying in a rural area, then you want to get a specialized inspector that knows about wells and septics and water quality. Mm -hmm. So that's a different type of inspector for that. So is anybody holding us to that? Holding us to an inspection? Is it technically mandatory? Do we need to be able to provide as buyers? By the way, we're going to get into selling soon. But as buyers, are we? You know, if you don't get an inspection done, is it just on you? Your cards to play? Well, unfortunately, yes. Uh, the the government has not made it mandatory yet to do a home inspection. 
Um, but I would suggest, uh, you know, if the buyers definitely consider doing that. The Also, the real estate agent should uh, advise the buyers to make sure that they do get an inspection. Um, in other provinces, like in British Columbia, they just recently introduced a three-day cooling period. So that hasn't come to Ontario yet, but that gives the buyers time to back out of the deal within three days. So that mm. might come to Ontario. But right now, um, if you if you don't get inspection done, you're just opening yourself up to um, expensive surprise later on. Yeah, yeah, it sounds very scary to to kind of leap into it without an inspection. So, what steps? Yeah. Let's flip it a little. What steps are involved when it comes to selling a home? Absolutely, yes. Yeah. Selling a home is very stressful, first of all. So, it uh, it it is not an easy process. It's complex. So, but what I recommend is for my sellers or whoever's thinking about selling is first of all, just get the house ready, get the house um, looking at its best, start by decluttering. Um, and before that, actually, you should uh, figure out who you're going to be hiring. So maybe get a couple of real estate agents to come in and, and evaluate the home. It's usually free to get a free valuation. Um, they will give you tips and tricks on what to do. And most importantly, what not to do to your home to get it sold for the most amount of money. So some people, you know, tend to do uh, extra renovations or paint the color of the walls incorrectly when they should actually um, get advice from a, a real estate agent. And then, uh, you know, we bring in the stagers, they give you a, a free consultation, Some well, not free, but sometimes uh, it's included in the package with uh, the commissions. And then, uh, yeah, you list your home for sale, you allow showings, they come through the house. Um, what we actually do is we even do a pre-inspection of the home. So uh, when I list the home, I, I get my home inspector to make sure there's no um, hidden um, defects in the property that uh, we need to be aware of. So we basically want to nip it in the butt in the beginning to make sure that uh, there's no mold in the attic. There's Everything is going uh, correctly with electrical plumbing. There's no leaks or any moisture problems. So that'll hinder the sale. So you want to make sure that when a buyer buys your property, um, they, you know, they're going to probably put a condition on there for inspection. You don't want them to walk away because of a small thing that could have been fixed when you prior to listing the home. Right. Yeah, you allow showings. Yeah. And then after that, you're going to be negotiating the offer with the buyers. You have the move out date. And it's uh, basically those are main steps of, uh, of finding a home. And you want to make sure you get at least, um, you know, hopefully 60 to 90 days um, time to find a place as well. So that's important right. to negotiate in your contract. Yeah. Saul, is there a, a time a, that is best to put a home on the market? Well, yeah, that's a good question there, Kelly. Um, it, it's typically historically spring and summer is the best time to put the house on the market because it's it shows its best. It's, it's warmer weather. Most families want to be looking at homes in the spring and moving in in 60 to 90 days in the summer just before school starts. Um, but every situation is different. So if you had to right. move because of a job, then you you, you know you got to list at any time. Although um, the summer and spring is the best time, so I would say you know between middle of January till about May is when when things are are heating up. There's going to be more buyers. There's going to be a quicker sale of your home. Um, however, there's going to be more competition as well. So just be aware of that. But also, if you look at listing it in the, in the fall season, that's the second best time. That's when a little bit less competition, so your home will stand out a bit more. But I've sold homes all year round, so it really depends. There's always death, divorce, um, job relocations, upsizing, downsizing. So that's hopefully answers your question. Mm -hmm. And we don't have too much time yet, Saul, but any quick thoughts on the new home vacancy tax and how that's affecting house, 
houses and sales? Oh, yes. Well, you know, with 400,000 new immigrants coming uh, last year and potentially more, uh, we need more housing. I think this is a you know, hot button topic, the, 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 the home vacancy tax. But it's uh, it's requiring all homeowners uh, in Toronto to be uh, uh, declaring that, um, which I think it's good. You know, it's uh, it's definitely going to be something that's going to be implemented uh, probably in outside of Toronto as well, just like it has in, in British Columbia. Uh, there is a penalty if you if you uh, are not exempt from this, um, so which is one percent of your current value assessment. So I, I think overall it's going to be a you know something that is controversial, but. Um, you know, with mm. all the new people coming in, there's got to be places to, to for people to stay. It's not going to solve all of the problems with housing, but it'll it'll definitely help a little bit. Yes, I hope it'll make a difference. Saul, thank you so much for joining us, for taking the time, and for answering all of our questions. Oh, you're welcome. Take care. Saul is a real estate agent from EXP Realty, which you can Google EXP Realty, talking about the necessary steps for purchasing and selling a home. Taking a break and coming back with Alexis Hilliard from Stump Kitchen. This is Kelly and Ramia. Keep it here for more of Kelly and Ramya on AMI-tv. This is Kelly and Ramia on AMI. Thanks for joining us, Kelly McDonald in London, Ontario. Ramia Amuthan here at AMI headquarters in Toronto with that nice set that I'm just getting comfortable in out here. Uh, Kels, you know, I've been taking a lot of these fashion inquiries from staff around AMI because I'm not, you know me, there's no secret. I love my sweats and my hoodies, but uh, here <laughs> on TV, I'm like, uh, wearing a scarf on top of a blouse right now, my mommy would be proud. <laughs> All right, yeah, and that's the thing, right? Yes. It's you got to think about it a little bit more than we've been doing as as uh, you know audio broadcasters. And uh, I, I know yeah. the feeling, you know. Today I, I've got the black fedora on and uh, a light colored shirt here, just kind of taking it easy. And uh, this uh, golf shirt is is generally that style that uh, you'll Very see nice. me in a little bit, mixed in with the dress shirts and things like that. Sometimes it's fun, but. A lot of us know about, you know, kind of getting ourselves together, especially if we've got uh, something we're doing, maybe a YouTube show, mm -hmm. maybe something on TV. Uh, I'd like to introduce us to a, a guest joining us now, Alexis Hilliard, a social media influencer, YouTube creator, self-taught vegan chef, and entrepreneur. Alexis, welcome to Kelly and Rumya. Appreciate your time today. Sounds oh, busy. Oh, thank you so much. <laughs> you so sound like you keep here. yourself pretty busy as a person out there enjoying. Now, you are the founder of Stump Kitchen. Can you explain to the audience, what is it? What is that? Absolutely. So um, I was born without my left hand. I'm a congenital amputee. And I lovingly refer to my arm as my stump. And Stump Kitchen is my YouTube, my TikTok, my Instagram, all my social media around celebrating my limb difference and cooking with one hand and, you know, in a fun way, using my stump as a cooking tool. So that's kind of the whole idea around what Stump Kitchen is. <laughs> Amazing. Well, this yeah. is going to be really fun. And we're going to get a, a sneak peek of how you uh, do things. But I'm curious about not only where the idea came from for Stump Kitchen, but, you know, how that idea played into 
I'm not sure how you want to word it, but your self-acceptance, um, your love for your stump, for the way that you um, get to know yourself in the kitchen. How did all that come about? That's such a great question because as an adult, I think, well, actually, let me back up. When I was a child, my sister, who's younger than me, loved to play with my stump, with my arm, and actually came up with a name for him, which is Bebe. And <laughs> I would put on shows for her, like Bebe, and my, my right hand would be Biggie, and they would like play and fight, and she just loved it so much. But <laughs> as an adult, I kind of forgot about that childhood joy. Mm. And Stump Kitchen has allowed me to find that again. And especially now that I work with a lot of kids and youth um, with disabilities and limb differences, uh, we I get to find that joy again. And I'm, I'm so grateful. Um, but basically it came about because I became vegan and I also had a gluten intolerance. And I was like, I don't know what I can eat. I guess I better start cooking for myself. Right. Yeah. So, but then I found, oh, I cook in cool ways. Let's film it. So that's kind of how. It's amazing that things like that that can help others. Okay, that's wonderful. Of course, you know, somebody else is going to pick up and say, geez, I can use that. that that's my difficulty. I'll lend what she's showing me to, to what yeah. I do. But it's also that place for you to be, have so much fun and be in that happy spot. But I have to ask, do you get the questions, whether it's non-disabled people, I know as a blind person, and Rumi and I can attest to this, the questions we get or the hesitations or the awkwardness, maybe afraid to ask a question or unsure of, how can you laugh at yourself? That's You walked into that. Or, you know, when things happen, are those embarrassing moments that we share with people uh, and, and we know it's they're, they're uncomfortable. How has that been a, as an experience in life for you? And what has that contributed to what you're doing? Oh, that, I, again, another beautiful question. Um, and I think that, you know, when you have disability in your life experience, you're going to have weird questions. I, I think I've had tons. I've had the good, the bad, and the ugly from like, oh, strangers, strangers in the store just saying, I'm going to pray for you really hard. And I'm just like, what world do we live in um yeah. <laughs> or like just the, the utter pity um sometimes fear um so, oh i had a man in a cafe once say oh you're so beautiful but it's too bad about your arm and oh. but from that experience i actually I, I took that to instagram and it turned into this huge campaign we had mm -hmm. a hashtag called call to arms and all my limb different friends oh, um, yeah. and, and disabled friends were posting like beautiful stories and images of their bodies so actually something beautiful came out of it and i think um stump kitchen in a way is like a beautiful thing coming out of um well joy but also uh, adding humor to the mix because I think for me mm -hmm. as a disabled woman it adds um, a lot of beauty to my life to have that humor because there is a lot of crap as you as you've mentioned yeah. so yeah. yeah well and the humor is what gets so many of us through whether it's the big belly laugh every day or just being able to smile <laughs> or that happy place as we, we talked about so tell us a little more about the content you produce Okay, so I love to, obviously, there's cooking at the heart of it, um, you know, making simple gluten-free vegan dishes. Um, I do a lot of work with kids, as I mentioned, um, and adults too, but I love having guests on the show. Um, COVID kind of made that harder, but hopefully I'm getting back yeah. into that. I also do a lot of like 
like funny things. Um, like I, I got this new um, bionic arm from a company just for fun. So I do like test videos on TikTok, playing around with how much my arm doesn't actually work for me. Um, uh, so lots of humor videos. I also do a lot of advocacy videos talking like helping folks understand how they can be more supportive of disabled folks, language they can use, answering their questions. So it's kind of like a, a like a, a fun, educational humor advocacy cooking show. It's like everything rolled into one. It's oh, everything. And I make a lot of messes. <laughs> it's everything, period. I mean, I, I love it. I love your content and I love your uh, your method and why you put the stuff up there that you put up there. And sometimes Thank it's you. just to be funny. But we're going to play some uh, video and some audio in a bit. But can you talk us through some of your adaptive cooking techniques? Yeah, absolutely. Um, oh, let me see. People always ask me like, okay, what adaptive tools do you use? You must need a lot of equipment to help you do what you do. And that's the, that is true for a lot of folks. Um, but in my case, I just used my stump as my tool. So um, <laughs> I use it to mash things. I, the first, the first time I juiced I a of. lemon, <laughs> <laughs> the, first thing, the first time I juiced a lemon, I cut it in half and I stuck it on my stump and used my the end of my stump, which is pretty hard and because it's a lot of bone, I use it as a juicer just instinctively. And that's when my partner was like, you gotta film that. That's like incredible. That's I was awesome. like, but so um what else? Yeah, just anything like a spatula to a masher, juicer, etc. Oh yeah, I love rolling I was um, gonna rolling ask. lemons to kind of juice, <laughs> yeah. uh, get the juice capsules ready. Yeah, and like stick my stuff in there. I love using it as a spatula for um, anything like waffles or pancakes because like who wants to dirty another dish? Mm. You know? <laughs> like why? <laughs> oh, I have this great technique um, that's being showed on screen. It's I call it the roll and peel where I put a carrot down and I roll it on the cutting board with my stump as I peel it as I go. So I don't have nice. to hold it. Um, and then wow. I just hold things in my elbow crook. Um, <laughs> And then I've gotten really good at holding like round vegetables like garlic or tomatoes on a cutting board so they don't fly away. That's mm. one of the biggest kind of barriers for folks with limb differences. So I have this technique for really squishing things down, um, not tomatoes obviously, but really squishing them down so I can cut them properly um, and using my stump you know, to smash a clove of garlic um, works really, really well. And then after you've got like, beautiful smelling limbs. I love it when they smell like garlic and onions. I know people probably don't, but I love it. It makes me feel so proud of what I've done. So, um, it stays with you forever. The it, smell it really of accomplishment. Does, it keeps yes. the vampires away. The perfume <laughs> yeah. of success. Yeah, exactly. I think that's just amazing. Wow. Um, let's let's actually show a little uh, of your work here. We have a clip here of you cooking with your friend and Stump Kitchen uh, guest uh, guest star Callie. Uh, let's check out how you two mash potatoes. Oh, do you love it with all the colors? Yeah, we should put like the purples, purples on top. It'll be like a little mini mountain rainbow. There we go. It looks so pretty. Do you know what we do next, Callie? Yeah, we smash them. <laughs> smash them like that. Yeah. Smash. Yeah, yeah. Sometimes your potatoes go flying when you smash them. <laughs> oh my God, that's amazing. Oh, that is having fun. Oh. That's for sure. 
Yeah, Callie was eight in that clip and she is 14 now and we're still working together. And I just adore that kid. And after that day together, she just like, we both just lit up like, like sunshine oh. to be in each other's presence because when you have someone that it shares a bit of your experience, mm -hmm. you just feel so seen and loved. And, and I think we're going to be friends Honestly, forever. honestly. And oh, that's why we beautiful. love our allies. We love talking community here on the show because it's true. When you can relate to someone or like this, do something together and just through that experience feel connected. It's so empowering. And also we love your tips. Like everything that you um, that we've showcased here on B-Roll but also that you talked us through is really, really fantastic. How much trial and error goes into your content? Every, all of it is trial and error. <laughs> okay. Everything, like... I, you were talking earlier about like wearing sweatpants and stuff. Like that's what I did day one. I was like, okay, how do we, I don't know, what do we do? It's like, oh, is this recipe going to work? I'm not really sure. I just, but I knew I needed to be yeah. fully myself. Otherwise it wouldn't be fun. So I wear the sweatpants. I make a mess. I don't do things perfectly. I allow myself to make mistakes and try new things. Um, so the trial and error is actually part of the whole show design. Um, and it, it just makes it more accessible for me and my guests. It's awesome. I love the sounds too. Like just the whole and the laughter, <laughs> that's magic. So I've got to say with using humor, uh, which seems to help, does it, when you hear from your followers, do they like it? Do they really live for it? And how do you, how about people who have their own stump that, you know, say, listen, man, I'm learning so much from you, but mostly I'm learning how to laugh. Yes, all of that is is so I was really overwhelmed when when you know I put the first episode out 6 years ago now and the comments started coming in from people and families being like, "Oh my gosh, my kid has a has an arm like you and we're we're doing your smash technique, we're making cookies or whatever." Oh, or you know, messages yeah, or messages from people being like, "You know, your show like I used to hide my arm in my pocket all the time and because of your your show, I don't hide it anymore." And like that might sound like a small thing to some people, but like the like the daily stress of hiding a part of your body from the world. Oh God, is yeah, just awful, awful, awful. And um, so that was just like, oh my goodness. Um, and also learning from other folks with limb differences and disabilities, like how do they do stuff? Like I've got a friend who's missing a leg, and we've done some collaborations, and that whole process helped me figure out like, oh yeah, like you can actually do a whole recipe sitting down depending on how you arrange your kitchen and of course like for wheelchair users like that's really important so it's been a huge give and take learning experience and uh i just feel really lucky to be able to do it alexis wow. we feel lucky to be talking with you and i really yeah. love that your approach is to just put it out there just put it all out there and it's beautiful it's a mess <laughs> it's amazing tell us where people can find you okay they can find me on youtube TikTok, instagram Facebook and Twitter. I'm I'm really doing a lot of work on TikTok and Instagram and and uh, YouTube. Just stump kitchen, and there I am. <laughs> wow. Well, we appreciate you taking some time to join us here on the program. Good luck going forward. And uh, it sounds well. I think the best part of it is just keeping having fun. Alexis Hilliard, social media uh influencer a youtube creator self-taught vegan chef and entrepreneur talking to us about her channel stump kitchen right here on rumya and kelly and rumya
A whole other hour of the show coming your way. We're talking to Bella Strange about the shopping you can do in your stash. I'm really curious about that. Karen McGee is joining us for some collections conversations. She's talking about her children's books. We'll flip through that. And we have reporter Grant Hardy joining us next to talk about nostalgia. Keep it here for more of Kelly and Ramya on AMI-tv. Hi, I'm Jenny Bovard. Join me monthly for Low Vision Moments, where I speak with awesome guests about some of the amusing things that happen when you're blind or partially sighted. Watch on YouTube or download Low Vision Moments from your favorite podcast distributor.